Welcome to Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar. There are times when one's life appears to be a stage. People come, people go. They come in order to go and go with no intent of return. When they return, they return as one's past. A past that would make you feel that the present is false. Vijay Tendulkar Welcome back and we are documenting Vijay Tendulkar with Ramu Ramanathan. In the previous episode, uh, we spoke about uh, what was his journey like, what was his thought process, uh, how did he speak about the establishment, how his place was censored and so on and so forth. Uh, in this episode, uh, it's basically like trying to understand uh, his body of work through a piece which Ramu sir has written. And uh, it's basically I'm just going to sit back and ask the listeners to sit back and listen to this uh, wonderful piece of uh, 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 writing which he has written, which will give you insights about Tendulkar. And uh, the broad topic is violence uh, theater in and violence and uh, yeah uh, actually welcome sir first first <laughs> yeah. of all thank you thank uh, you kedar yeah. yeah so i'll just march on yeah. uh, I, the context to this is that i used to do um, workshops and i realized that there was a certain level of uh, ignorance or apathy about tindulkar sahab's place so this was a set of workshops i used to do not so much in maharashtra but outside of maharashtra so specifically delhi bangalore uh, Chennai and so on and uh, uh, where we would sort of go through some of Tendulkar Saab's plays uh, and then use those texts as a workshop exercise for uh, future playwrights or theatrewalas and so on and then during that one would also re-look at some of Tendulkar's non-theatre work so his essays and you know again something that we discussed in the previous episode his look at violence mm. so that was broadly what we did because again a lot of his journalistic writings were not translated in the other languages so this was that um this was actually a four day session that i had done uh, which was huge amounts of uh, you know uh, data collection and so on and this is i've just made this a little abbreviated for your uh, particular recording all right so I'll just march on. I'll read to the yes, best yes. of my abilities. Uh, I've called this theatre and violence. And this looks at some of his plays. It looks at some of uh, the theories on violence as well as some of his children's plays, which again, very few people talk about. So I'll start. Vultures, Gidhade. Horrid things, vultures, Gidhade. Not nice, nor adorable, simply reprehensible. Petty-minded bees squabbling and squawking, at a stinking carcass, willing to attack each other over decomposing meat, vultures, gidhade, carrion eaters with beady twisted eyes, undernourished, greedy, crooked beaks, often covered in blood and gore, and guts and bloody eyeballs, all so revolting, vultures, gidhade. Most people would prefer to keep a distance from gidhades, but Tendulkar didn't. He cared for vultures. He placed the vultures on stage in the living room. Gidhade was penned in 1961 and finally staged in 1970. The vultures were 
Ramakant and Umakant, with their lasciviousness and viciousness, plus their sister Manik's vulgar sensuality. With Gidhade, Tendulkar made a link between vultures and the veneer of morality that prevailed in middle-class Maharashtra. A warped saga of domestic violence and how Manik copes with her desires and her family. A bit like Sakharam Binder. A play due to which Tendulkar became officially associated with sensationalism, sex, violence. Most of Maharashtra was stunned by the Vanton display of illicit sex. In, nine, in 2012, when I saw an adaptation of Sakharam Binder, uh, the sense of terror, the threat of violence had diminished. In fact, Sakharam Binder was considered comic. This is the scene in which Sakharam kicks the woman in his life. Instead of revulsion, the audience at Prithvi were giggling. They were egging on Sakharam and his antics. There was laughter. Beating a woman was a spectacle. Feed her to the lions, they roared. Numbness. What was happening? In the 21st century, had Sakharam's violence become gratuitous? Didn't today's audience not fully appreciate Tendulkar's style? Were the happy audience unable to recognize the title character's deposed treaties about the sacred institution of marriage? Was Tendulkar's irony boomeranging and his psychological dimensions misplaced? A woman in the audience who was seated next to me during this particular show was wincing each time a physical blow was delivered by Sakaram. Her friend was clutching her hand and soothing her. After the play, as I walked out of Prithvi Theatre, I overheard telling her friend, the fact that millions of people share the same vices does not make these vices virtues. The fact that they share so many errors does not make the errors to be truths. And the fact that millions of people share the same form of mental pathology, mental sickness, does not make these people sane. A playwright who backed the cause, that's how I knew Tendulkar. I set my eyes on Tendulkar for the first time in Vasai. It was 1994. He was threatening to stand for elections as a consensus candidate against a local mafia don. Tendulkar had a longest association with Vasai through the Shamjivi Sangatan during the trials of Mangal's wife. But the heroics had no victory at the end of the battle. This was the early 80s. The times were tough, very tough. When I reminded him about his silence presence during a public rally and how his comrades in Vasai, like Vivek Pandit, had let him down by aligning with the then Shivasena, he did not comment. Instead, he pointed to a copy of his friend Vaslav Havel's essays. He had underlined a line that said, The tragedy of modern man today is not that he knows less and less about the meaning of his own life, but that it bothers him less and less. Tendulkar's project on violence is a tour de force with its meticulous compilation of case studies which have been gleaned from India's jails. He used to unfold the most macabre episodes in an inscrutable pacifist tone. It was eerie. To learn, more, to learn more about this particular project, I met him in his Villeparle home with a massive Philips tape recorder. I was a rookie journalist and I was nervous. I pulled out my set of analog tapes from a cloth bag. I dropped them on the floor. Tendulkar tried to soothe me. He offered a glass of water and was curious to know whose voices the tapes contained. I told him tape one had Asgar Ali engineer Saab presenting a report about the 92-93 riots 
followed by a talk by Hirfan Habib. Tape 2 had interviews with a grave digger and a former mill worker who did diverse jobs in an electrical come radio repair store plus candle making in the nights. Tape 3 had Philip Glass and Itswan Zwabau. He didn't care for tape 1 and tape 3, but he wanted to listen to tape 2. So we heard tape 2 and a lot of it in static silence. He said, don't erase these two interviews. I didn't. The project on violence had a lot of stories. These were stories about undertrials, stories about injustice, a story about two brothers from Andhra Pradesh and how they were hung in a Sikundrabad jail. He shared a lot of his information with me. He said, Some of this I have poured into my work. If people try and fasten my responsibility on art as the cause of crime, it seems to me to put the case in a topsy-turvy way. Art, I believe, consists of reshaping life, but it does not create life nor cause life to follow it. Tendulkar was a playwright with a difference. To understand, his body of work is formidable. He has spent 28 full-length plays, 7 collections of one act, 6 collections of children's plays, 4 collections of short stories, 3 collections of essays, a novel, 17 film scripts in a short span of 50 years. I recall the neglected political fable, Encounter in Umbugland. This was produced in 1974. It was the cusp of emergency. Tendulkar presented India on stage. The play kicks off with celebrations organized in the 60th century of the coronation of King Vichitravirya. The aging king delivers a Nehruvian speech about succession. After the death of the king, the state is in the midst of political crisis. There is no consensus among the ministers. Finally, the ministers appoint Princess Vijaya, who is the Gungi Gudia. But the Gungi Gudia outsmarts the veterans in the party. Albeit with a bit of help from her attendant Prana Ryan, who is a eunuch. There is rebellion. But the Gungi Gudia has transformed into a dictator who crushes the opposition. Encounter in Umbugland is flawed and cumbersome. But Tendulkar delights in subverting everything we know about how the Congress party was built. With his characteristic Saraswat Brahman sarcasm, he casually scraps the enduring notion of inner party ethics and fairness. The idea that our politics are founded on ideals of democratic equality and public virtue. This is a theme he explores with greater brutality in Ghashiram Kotwal. That if today, if we look back to the founders with reverence, it is only because they did such a good job mythologizing history and writing their own songs. Above all, Tendulkar anticipates the anatomy of state power and the violence it is capable of unleashing. He anticipates the reign of terror that Madam Gandhi and her son will impose on 25 June 1975 for 21 months. The message from Tendulkar was clear then, it is clear now. There shall be no technicolor sunset at the end of fascism. Tendulkar's Children's Plays Other than the encounter in Umbugland, which goes unheralded is his non-theatre jottings. For instance, his brutal sketch on P.L. Deshpande his behind-the-scene encounters with chief ministers and unknown underdogs. These are his most piercing work as a journalist. He once said, To me, it's never about the writing. Anyone can write. For me, it is about the observations. In the tradition of Marathi playwrights, he was a brilliant reader. I attended a Tendulkar reading. It was a simple, unfussy format. He was alone on an enormous stage and, 
accompanied by a few sheets of papers. He read his favorite poems by the new generation of Marathi poets, short stories, even newspaper columns, basically fragmented thoughts and remarkably an audience of 1500 sat in rapt attention for more than 3 hours. This was the magic of the return word. Of course it also provided a huge boost to the popularity ratings of those young poets authors essays. In all these forays one thing i feel most sad about is his children plays they have been neglected thankfully due to sulabha deshpande who was a teacher in a school and was expected to stage plays for children tendulkar was urged to write plays for the school thankfully tendulkar did his children's plays are fun for starts they are from a child's perspective he keeps the language and the events basic and uncomplicated most importantly he dares the child and the adult to imagine there is no sermonizing or a moral to the story the characters are real and the children can identify with them consider raja rani la gham hawa which used the idiom of the four castes and which many people believe is the forerunner to gashiram kotwal raja rani la gham hawa is the tale of a king and queen who own everything except happiness thus begins the search for one thing that eludes them the one thing that can provide peace and happiness gham or the sweat of hard labor which guarantees rest and peace their predicament is conveyed by the characters in the play the narrator the priest the doctor the farmer all of them are shirkers the king realizes this and he decides to hang the farmer as an example but the malaise is deep rooted the king is the cause of this disease he was setting a bad example to the entire nation so the king decides that his own hanging will serve as an eye opener to the whole country the point is made quite plainly and with doodles of fun like a good panchatantra tale a pillar of indian theater tendulkar saab was one of the famous four indian playwrights who changed the face of indian contemporary theater he inhabited a nehruvian world after a few wars and riots india was witnessing a decline of idealism there was disillusionment with socialism and the gentrified middle class society was showing off its greedy fangs writing contemporaneously with mohan rakesh badal sarkar and girish karnad tendulkar tried to bring this sensibility to theater one which marks him out as having made a unique contribution to the way theater has been practiced if karnad delighted audiences with overturning conventions and a freewheeling use of mythology rakesh brought a vibrancy to naturalistic theater while badal babu introduced a new politicization to theater tendulkar transformed the most fundamental tool of theater the spoken word and even more than the spoken word the text and its context which has been hitherto used in theater the pauses the silences the conventional communication between human beings was replaced with staccato of the unsaid and the unutterable and above all tendulkar's famous half sentences did he succeed in the larger pantheon of things yes unlike the other three karnad sarkar and rakesh he wrote and wrote for the stage the stage was his mistress and her he served even his lesser plays made a statement for his brutal exploration of sexual violence three of them have been revived recently baby mitra tigoshta and kanyadan recently i attended a show of baby by a baby faced actor I was reminded of a staging in which baby's rape is being enacted to the most soothing rag yaman being rendered in Mitra Chigosht 
Mitra is endowed with a masculine personality due to a hormonal imbalance. The play is about her rebellion against society. It is about her friendship with Bapu and her lesbian relationship with Nama. The play ends as do so many of Tendulkar's plays in the no man's land of NOI. Mitra dies and the character says, everything ends with death. She is no more. In Kanyadan, Tendulkar examines a well-known intercaste marriage gone wrong, in spite of the best of intentions. The 20-year-old Jyoti is the daughter of Nath, a social activist. He encourages Jyoti to marry Arun, a Dalit poet, but Arun is unable to cope with his own inferiority complex and transforms into an alcoholic and sadist. The lines that upset many Dalit activists are when Arun is asked why he beats Jyoti. He replies, what am I but the son of scavengers? We don't know the non-violent ways of Brahmins like you. We drink and beat our wives. I am a barbarian, a barbarian by birth. Be that as it may, Tendulkar was once again reviled as the bad bard with propensity for curse words or a pornographer who offered titillation. He was abused, booed, cursed, occasionally stoned for his utterances. But all that Tendulkar was doing was stating Indians are conservative, that Indian women are trained to be dutiful and self-sacrificing and chaste or whores, that the Indian servant class are humble and faithful to their masters and that the men are simply barbaric, greedy and self-seeking. An interesting footnote, when we read these plays during a playwright's workshop, a majority of the participants felt Tendulkar is a misogynist and he dehumanized sacred relationships. One boy, however, defended him. He said, It is alright to criticize Tendulkar today. Also, in most of India, young men and women simply don't mix in an informal, normal manner. He pointed the previous night's get-together where all the boys were backslapping and holding hands at one end of the room and the girls were giggling at the other. They have separate seats in the buses and trains. Even today, arranged marriages are the norm. How then can a healthy society flourish when we are in the midst of such a serious mess? My own notes from the margin. Everything, even herself, was now unbearable to her. She wished that, taking wing like a bird, she could fly somewhere far away to regions of purity and there grow young again. This little notation which made homage to Madame Bovary was jotted in a second-hand copy of Shantata Kot Saluahe. It is a description of Leela Banare, the protagonist in the play, who sponta- spontaneously combusts into a mock trial. Shantata Kot Saluahe, an amateur theatre group, arrives in a village to perform a consciousness-raising uh, consciousness play about the dangers of atomic warfare. Instead, the motley group dig up Leela's sins, her socially unacceptable conduct. Then, they proceed to humiliate her as conscience keepers of society. I recall loathing the Kashikars, the Sukhmates, the Ponkshes, the Rokades and the Karniks of the world. I spotted them every time I travel or visited people in their homes. For me, they represented Frankenstein, a Frankenstein called morality. In a society as divided as ours, talk of morality is simply a cloak for the interests of those who believe they rule over us. At the heart of Shantata is a modern liberal morality. A morality which probes the fundamental divide between our needs and desires on the one hand and on the other are supposed moral duties. Then there is Kamla. Kamla was based by a real life was based on a real life incident. I skimmed through the Indian Express archives and read how Ashwin Sarin 
had uh, purchased an Adivasi girl from the rural flesh market. Later, he presented this girl at a press conference. Today, it is a forgotten hyphen in our nation's history. But Tendulkar immortalized Kamla. In his play, The Sultan of Sensationalism in Journalism, Jai Singh Jadav purchases Kamla at the flesh market of Luhardaya near Ranchi for rupees 250. Once the media overkill tapers, Kamla is discarded in an orphanage for women. It is through Jai Singh's wife Sarita that we learn how the modern Indian woman wallows in turpid ignorance and how every Indian wife carries inside her the debris of a Kamla. Then there was Sakharam Binder, disaffected, dislocated and disturbing. Sakharam is the epitome of the vulgar working class anti-hero. And indeed there are two responses to Sakharam. One, to abhor Sakharam, not for sheltering abandoned women, but for sexually abusing the women he sheltered to fulfill his gratification while remaining oblivious to the emotional and moral implications of his action. Tendulkar physically explores the notion of marriage in words like bliss, passion, rapture, words that seem so beautiful in the then romantic poems of Maharashtra. Two, to admire Sakaram, since like every man in the heat of youth, if only for a day, for a minute, has believed himself capable of immense passions of sexual conquest. Sakaram is the embodiment of the mediocre urban citizen dream of being a prince within the four walls. It is all very Tendulkarisk, I had told Tendulkar once. He replied, I have no clue what that word means. Yes, that's it. Thank you, Kedar. I, I frankly... Yeah, let's... I would just say thank you. And uh, if people have to follow Ramu on uh, Twitter, they can go to Buddhu Ramu, which is B-O-O-D-H-U Ramu on Twitter and me on Audiogan. I'm going to add a few links in the show notes uh, f- for those who want to read more about Tendulkar. Thank you, Ramu, sir. Yep. And uh, uh, Shantata, I think, is available uh, as a movie. I think Satyadev Dube had uh, yes. shot it as a film. And yeah. black and white, I think there's a YouTube uh, version of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Worth seeing because he's used the stage actors. And I think there was one stage version which he was associated. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think three of his... Um, film scripts, the Arun Sadhu, uh, which was uh, the two books which he combined into one, which is again sheer genius, where he realizes narrative of uh, storytelling. So he realizes that the material is not adequate to kind of, you know sustain the, uh, the narrative adequately on screenplay. So he takes two books and you know combines the two stories. And I think it's a great exercise for any a screenplay writer in India today that if you know you're seeking material and you're working within the domain of literature how you can actually you know use your material another is a cult um, a film by Govini Halani called Arda Satya which is again based on a short story and this is again something Tendulkar used to say that uh, short stories make for great cinema Uh, Because you can flesh it out and, you know, visual imagery and many other things. Again, it's a great exercise for people where they can study the original, uh, you know, Marathi version and then see what the cinematic transformation of that is. Again, as I said, there are innumerable instances. I'll stop. Otherwise, we can just go on. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Kedar. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And that's it from today's Gyan Session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on audiogyan.com. Till then, bye!
It's been a great week on the IVM Podcast Network. On this round is on me. Gauri is joined by Shweta Nanda. They talk about the financial independence and how it is to be a woman entrepreneur. On Anish Thing, Anish welcomes ultra marathon runner Shivani Gharat. Shivani shares her journey of how she ran her first marathon, the mindset of a runner, and what it actually takes to run a full marathon. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus, Naveen, Akash, and Shreyas talk about the Korean band BTS serving in the military and its repercussions. On Think Fast, Varun and Suchita discuss Wing Greens and their latest acquisitions, and about the Indian sexual wellness market. And on Shuni One, Sheila Dutta is joined by Dinika Bhatia, CEO and founder of Nati Gritties. They talk about coming from a business family and Dinika's journey in creating healthy and guilt-free snacking. Once again, don't forget to visit our merch store on ivmpodcasts.com. We have some exciting new merch out there for you. Also, do follow us on social media. We are IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And do remember to spread the word about these shows and any other shows you might be listening to. Appreciate them, rate them, and review them wherever you are listening to them. You can also check out all our other shows on YouTube.com/slash/IVMPodcasts. And finally, we would like to thank our sponsors this week: Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, Kotak Privy League Program, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thanks, guys. Without you, this would not be possible. Do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about Web three, blockchain, NFTs, DAOs? What are these terms, and how do they affect our future on the internet? So many questions, but don't worry, we've got answers to all your questions. Hi, I'm Eklavya Bhattacharya, and on our show, Future Proofing, we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts. Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IBM Podcast app and the website, or wherever you get your podcasts from.